0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm still working out on the name. I am gon- I believe I'm going to go with Anime Talk or Story Time. Still figuring that part out. Again, my name is Antoinette Eastman and on this channel I'll be talking about anime and today I am going to do three shows. We'll be talking about Shadow's House, Episode 2, Fairy Tale, and one of my other favorite, Degreeman. I've haven't rewatched that in such a long time. But I'm gonna rewatch it and give you guys my intake on it. So we're gonna start out with fairy tale and fairy tale started out as a with a narration of being from the kingdom of fury saying it's a magical kingdom with 17 million people and that everyone is like depending on magic and like One of the highlights is, like, the wizard gill. And they're... I believe the the gills are, like, one of the strongest representations of fairy tale. So, in fairy tale, um, I think there are, like four main characters I believe. There's Natsu Dragneo. He, if you've all watched it before, he's that pink hair dude that was trained by a dragon. Then there's Lucy Heartfilia. I believe she's a Celestial Wizard. And then you have Ezra Scarlet and Buster and the two cats happy and Carla and her owner Wendy. I believe. So the setting starts off in the town of Arag- Aragon. Or is it the city? I believe it's probably the city. That's called Aragon, and the town is Port Town. Um, you see, not you see Natsu and Happy. Happy is um, Natsu's cat, his companion. He's a f- magical flying blue cat, and they're looking for a Salamander. So the salamander they're looking for is the dragon Ignail who raised Natsu into a, the fire-breathing wizard that he is. And then you see Lucy looking for a new gate key of a store. And the store owner tries to rip her off, but he only, like, try to negotiate just a little bit but was kind of unsuccessful. So we see like Natsu having motion, motion sickness riding on the train. I think the only time he doesn't have motion sickness is when he's flying being flown by his cat Happy. So the rumor he went to check out in the In the port town. About the salamander. He heard was like. A magician that does. I would say like a magician. That does cheap tricks. And he throws like. Love bomb magics. To make the ladies like. Fall for him instant. And I believe. Natsu bumped into. Lucy. And that's how she like that's how they met and she like became aware that she was being under a spell. A charm spell. And after that she she kind of like was made aware of the the magician salamanders and how he's a trickster and not like a real real wizard salamander. And to thank Natsu for that, she treated them to lunch and she like basically told them about her plans about Sorcerer Weekly and joining a guild, one of her favorite guilds. And and they eat a lot for a cat. <laughs> I know boys are supposed to eat a lot, but they like eat her out of pocket. So like after that meeting they they like went their separate ways and I believed she was like sitting down and thinking and this creeper wizard just jumped out of the bush, like, very stalker, (laughs) like, out of nowhere, jumped out of the bush, the fake salamander guy, and said to Lucy that, oh, I wanted to invite you on my boat, because he was listening to her talk to herself about sorcerer, about beating sorcerer weekly, and being, uh, and wanting to be a member of fairy tale, because of it, and he said, and she was like, she called him out for being a scammer and says, like, I know you try to fool ladies with a charm spell and it won't work twice when you're aware of it. So he tried to uh, says, but I am the great salamander from fairy tale and I could get you in if you only come to my party. that's how we tricked her into getting her over to her party to his like yacht party and there you see after she's there he like had some goons hidden and he he tried a um, love bomb spell again and it didn't work on Lucy and Lucy was she was like pretty upset as any normal person would be like for tricking her and he had his goons come out and try to kidnap, uh, like, all the ladies and try to sell them out. And Lucy tried to use her gate key, and he, one of her gate keys, and he just took it and threw it, like, in the water. Like, at that same time, um, Natu was still walking around town. And he overheard some ladies talking. About the the salamander um, wizard, and saying that he was from Fairy Tale, and that kind of pissed not too off because he knew he'd never seen that guy in Fairy Tale before, and he was not the Igneel that he was like searching for. And I do believe um, he told Lucy that Igneel was a dragon that they were searching for, and the dragons are supposed to. Have disappeared like probably like f- some couple hundred years or so, which is kind of crazy because um, if they disappear for like so long, how old is not to <laughs> like. If they disappeared that long, it really like got me thinking like, how old is really Natsu that the the dragon disappeared for like a thousand years? How old really is Natsu? (laughs) Because the dragon trained him. So, that's kind of like, hmm, kind of got me thinking. And then, Natsu's character is... A little bit of a hothead. He's very intuitive, but a little crazy sometimes. So he just jumps over onto the boat. And he started his tough talk in, t- in order to save Lucy. And he just automatically fell into his motion sickness. But Lucy was able to escape with Happy. Happy just took her and she ended up diving into the water and finding her her celestial key which I thought was interesting. Like she knew she was able to know where it was to, to get it. Maybe that's some sort of like I don't know celestial was a connection with their keys or something like that. Who knows? so while not she was on the boat being most sickness, trying to save the people um, Lucy called on her her water maiden Aquarius and she was mad <laughs> she's like one of those savvy water sparrows and she was like, how dare you drop my key, let my key got thrown in the water again. And if you ever let my key got thrown down, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> and I thought that was like funny as hell. And so, and that's, Lucy told her to like create a like some sort of like water wave to bring the boat ashore. So, the fake guy couldn't like escape with the girls and she created a tidal wave and she lumped Lucy and Happy and just smashed them all in the shirt because she was still pretty pissed about being getting her key thrown in the water and she was like don't call me in certain certain days because I have a date with my boy." <laughs> and she was like Lucy was like okay I got it And like after the ship landed, not the ship, the yacht landed on the shore, not who fell out of his motion sickness fun, And then he whooped that man's ass. And that way, he found out the fake wizard, found out that he's the real deal, the real fairy tale wizard. And I believe they ended up destroying the port and calling out the the police and Natsu took um, Lucy and they started running and he told her and he Natsu told Lucy that he's from Fairy Tale and that and she decided to go with him. And I believe. I don't know if they ran. Back to the train station. I believe that's where they ran to. And then the episode just ended there, Because that's where. And that's where like. Not doing Lucy's journey starts to begin. And now we're going to move on. To one of my other favorite shows. I have rewatched that like a million times. <laughs> it's to me, it's one of the best animes out there. Um, so, I'm gonna tell you, give you a little intro to it for those who mean enough to watch it, but you should go watch it. So, D. Greyman is about... And it's more like an, an angel, I wouldn't say angel, probably good versus evil kind of anime. And the good people are the exorcists. And they're fighting a battle against the evil Akuma. Who creates a Akuma um, from the people's grief. <laughs> like, if someone dies, he'll, like, visit them and pray on the griever and, like, ask them to call their soul in this, like, mechanical thing that he built. And once their soul is called into that machine... He they become an Akuma, and then he tells the soul to kill the person that caused them and wear their skin, which is just evil in many ways. And then they become killing killing monsters that try to evo- to evolve, and the Exorcists are the ones that can are the only ones that can kill Akuma. They have these special weapons. And I believe they have something that's called innocence. Every exorcist has something that's called innocence embedded in them to help defeat Akuma. So the story starts out and you see like the exorcist flag symbols just blowing in the wind and then you see Ellen traveling with a circus. I believe the title of the episode is called The Boy Who Hunts Akuma So, he's traveling with the circus. I believe he's trying to capture to the Order. And the Order is where... The exorcists go. Like, I guess... Where exorcists go to be exorcists, and that's where they get their missions. is from the Order. I believe the Order is supposed to be like... Some sort of like a church, like R is associated with a church. And you see Alan traveling, um, the circus group at the back of the carriage, he's dressed like a fortune teller. And then you see another scene there were cops that were invest- investigating an abandoned building. The whole scene gives. Um, old English. You know like those. Old English vampire movies. That you'll see. And the police were all. Dressed like. Scotland Yard. <laughs> that's how they were dressed. It's like. I don't know if The scene was supposed to look like. Like London. But that's what it gave like this London look so the cops went in to investigate and while they were investigating um, I believe Alan like swooped down in these like in a swarm of bats. I thought it was one of the crew. I didn't even know it was Alan. This like swarm of bats, and like, sh- and he grabbed the police officer. Mm-hmm. Turned out that he, by mistake, who officer then arrested him in the other room. Turns out that he was looking for a cat. Apparently, his. The cat swallowed his communicator. It's campy. So all exorcists have like communicators. They're all like. How would I describe what the communicator looks like? I. Would, it's like a cyclone bat. That's how. Like a cyclone bat. So an eye with wings is what it looks like, an eye with bat wings, Um, so his was called Tin Campy and later on um, you'll see him talk about his master, more about his master that trained him to be an ex, called General Cross. So I guess the cat swallowed Tim Campy, and he was trying to get Tim Campy back. So the officer arrested him, and while he was upstairs, the Akuma found the other officer that was downstairs, and killed him. I guess. Uh, so the bullets that the Akuma shoots are poisonous to human. And the regular guns can't work on them. Only exorcists can kill an Akuma. So he tries to warn the... um, Alan tries to warn the officer about Akuma and how dangerous they are. But after she went down to check on her fellow fellow officer, she saw I guess Alan was able to save her. He got shot in the hand. He put his Akuma weapon hand in the way when the Akuma shot at her. And was able to like and then there was like gas coming from it and she he and I believe the officer fainted because she He did, like, cover up her nose for her because she was just acting a little scatterish, like, not. And so he covered her, and then she just fainted from, like, a little bit of the gas, but she wasn't able to inhale, so she survived. So, at the precinct, like, Alan was being accused of being the culprit that killed the officer, and it's, like, in charge and who was the one that... That all those missing people that went into the building. In the church building. Because that was the reason the officers went into that building. Because a lot of people was going missing in that building. And the only reason there was... Because the Akuma kept killing them. So... After the officer wakes up she was asked to explain what happened and why she fell asleep. Like her supervisor, he was he was tripping. He was mad that she passed out as an officer. And she like vouched for Alan to say that Alan was with her when her partner was attacked. But um then Alan become Under surveillance. Like, he was so. I believe he was so arrested. And. I believe after she went home, like, after Ellen explained to her where Nakuma was, like, and she went home, and then. You started to see, like, her backstory. Um, her brother, or was it her brother-in-law, yes, her brother-in-law, she lived with her brother-in-law, I believe they show the story of their wedding, the wedding day of her brother-in-law and her sister while they were at church, um, she had just had an argument with with her sister um, because she, her sister didn't agree with her becoming a cop because she felt like she wanted to be a cop to get to events like her parents death and her sister didn't agree with that and she was saying she wanted justice so there was her brother-in-law was telling her like they'll get through the argument and then the bell that was hanging over the husband fell and the sister pushed him out the way and she got crushed by the bell and in his grief like the kuma came to him and said that he can bring his darling his darting back from his detestable god. In some ways Akuma Kuma is also the Millennium Earl. It kinda reminds me of that time that when we had that that whole Y two K thing. I wonder if that's what inspired the writer, you know, like when you we, we were all going through that time where Judgment was coming whole Y2K bag, right like, I'm I'm thinking that's what inspired the the writer. So like I explained before after he called his beloved back into the Akuma and she realized she became an Akuma. Like she was like, why? And then the Earl told him to told the Akuma to kill kill her fiancé and wear his skin. And the Kumas, they can't refuse an order from the millennium. Ugh. right? And their job as the Kumas is to continue to kill and evolve. And so, um, while she was in the house, she... I, I don't believe she brought food to him, but he wasn't eating, and he says like, "Oh, I'll get hungry later." And that's like one of the tell signs, like people should be like that. I noticed that when the person becomes an Akuna, they they don't eat regular food. They just I guess killing sustains them. I guess. They don't really need food because they're just monsters now. So she gave him the food and then she walked out the room. And at that time, Alan came over to her house. And I believe. I don't know if he came into her house. He was just there. They didn't show him going over there. So it seemed like he was placed in custody, and and the officer was his babysitter, basically watching him. And I believe they were all going to the to the the whole priest, not the whole priest, just majority of the precinct, like the superintendent, her boss, they were all going back to the, the church to investigate, and Ellen was trying to warn her, and tell her, right, remind her again about how dangerous it is, and the kuma is. And then her brother walked, was hearing this conversation in other room, and decided to come in. His akuma sense, like, like, made him come in, and then it shows like he just started to trend Before he started to transform, I guess Alan had like. A detection. An Akuma detection eye. He can see the souls of the Akuma. So he can see them before. He transformed. And so the the Akuma transformed in the room. And. He just took her and like. Because she lived like right across. From the villain, And he like. In the nick of time, Alan was able to save her because he just like burst out of the skin. I'm like, that's so creepy. Like, he just literally burst out of the man's skin into into an akuma. And they look so hideous. I compliment the artist for drawing the akuma. It was really good. And so the Akuma went over back to the church where the um the, where all the police officers were, and Ellen chased after him, and the officer chased after Ellen. and inside the building he was able to massacre like all the police officers. And at the same time when he wanted to shoot her, he tried to cover her and the cat because he was still chasing the cat, and the cat got shot up and and died and Tim Campy was eventually that's how Tim Campy got released from the cat and Ellen told. Because Alan is able to see the soul of the Akuma. He told. He told her that. That's no longer your brother. And that was. And he told her that was his. Her, he didn't know that it was her sister. He told her he saw a woman. And how she's. In agony. And. He transformed his hand into a gun and shoot the Akuma and kill it. And at the end like she like thanked him for for saving her life. And uh, he started to head it back to his journey. I believe he took a train this time. To go, to go to the author and that's how like the episode ended and I was like they compacted a lot in that episode and I was like well I wanted to watch it again so I'm going to go on to my other favorite Shadow House, episode 2. If you listened to me last time, I did episode 1 in my previous podcast. So, I'm getting you guys caught up on episode 2. So, in episode 2 for Shadow House... You know, in the first episode, we were just introduced to Kate and her doll, Co, So the episode started out with Kate narrating a bit. She was just looking around and and being and seeing like all the soot that she she had admitted when she was asleep, and. She was becoming disgusted that it was everywhere on the. You see it on the lamp, on the ceiling, and she was like. I guess she kind of does that, kind of like a germaphobia, like soot phobia. That's what we're gonna call it. She had, like, a soot phobia, session. Like, she was just like filthy, filthy, filthy. She was go. She was just going off. Until like she. She puts herself back to sleep. And then you see. Um, Emilico, um Just getting up. You know. In her chair. I believe I told you before. That Coe is like. A cheerful character. She got up. Got started. And they gave her the crunchy old hard rock hard rock bread that they give. And I'm like, how is that suitable for breakfast? Like just brave. Right. So after she got ready and she went over to her went over to Kate's room and Kate was asleep so she waited Outside for a bit until Kate wakes up, and then Kate tries to play it cool. Like um, they, imi- she tells Amelico that there's we admit shadows admit set like when they sleep. So there's gonna be extra set pretending like she wasn't the one that caused the extra set when she was complaining. Cause we all know that. Shadows admit she emits soot when she's like has a negative emotion and she woke up in that soot of and started like emitting crazy soot. So Miracle goes ahead with her usual cleaning. And Kate told her that she's gotten better at cleaning. And that she'll, and because she got better at cleaning, she's going to clean elsewhere with other dolls. And I was like, that's nice. There's other dolls around we're going to get introduced to. So, you see that she got, so the first person... Doll that she got introduced to was Mia. And I believe Mia was played, not was played, her English voice actress was Emily Fajardo? I believe I hope I'm not butchering that lady's name um, and she was and they had to like I didn't realize that they were walking like underneath the ground I guess inside, and then they came up through the floor into like this great hall that they all had to clean and you see all these different dolls So, when you see that, you know that there's a lot more shadows that's in the house as it's supposed to be. Because they can't just show us a show with just one shadow and one doll. That would be a boring movie. So, Mia introduces her to Rosemary. And Rosemary is supposed to be the team leader of the group that she's going to be in. And it's going to be four of them. Mia, Rosemary, and Lou. Lou is the other. So, I believe... Let me see. Who played, voiced Lou? I'm, I'm going to try and find that out. It's yes, Lou was voiced by Mar- Marissa Duran. And they gave... And basically, Rosemary gave her, like... Was giving her, like, the rundown of the, the cleaning process. And Emilia Cole became, like, so overwhelmed. Because she's never been... Out of that room before. It was just her room to Kate's room. And she kind of like. Passed out for a little bit. From being so overwhelmed. And they made up like. A cute little song about like. The shadow house. I can't even remember it. So she got back to The. <laughs> So she got back to her room, and she was, like, covered in set. And and Emilica was telling her about meeting the other dolls and cleaning the hall. And Kate was like, you can't be in here dirty like that. And she sent her to get cleaned. I believe the, what do they call it? Probably, I believe the shadow Remover. room. No, that's not what it was. The soot remover. I guess it's like a, a, a steam. It blows like steamed air and like blows off all the dust. And then she just went back to her cleaning. And I believe she knocked... As she was cleaning, she knocked over... No, that was after... No. That wasn't after. That was... No, I'm right. I'm correcting the scene. So, she knocked over the, the vase. And... Kate had a doll that was next to the face and she kind of used the doll to sop up some of the water and Kate was like was like super pissed off. She like I think that was their first argue, that first fight that they had between between Kate and Milmelico. Kate just, like, she looked like a little scraggly lion. (laughs) The way she, like, flared up and all the soot, like, just, like, surrounded her. That's what she reminded me of, like, a scraggly lion. And all her, and then soot was, like, crystallized in the, in the ceiling. Poor Miliko. I felt bad for Miliko. She was just so sad. So, Kate went to to take a bath and the Miliko. Um, try to clean up the mess, and she, I mean, it was pretty resourceful, like, she took the wet stuffing out of the doll, because the doll was pretty much ruined, that's why Kate was so mad, she took the stuffing, the wet stuffing, and put dry stuffing, and, like, washed the the cloth and let it dry by the fireplace and in that time she made a a new doll like for herself as well i think it looked like a a little duck a little ugly duck that's what it was ugly duck (laughs) and she was so she handed the doll the one that she fixed for kate and kate they made up after that, you know. Kate was saying that, you know, I didn't tell you it was important to me, so you wouldn't have known. And they made up, and she showed Kate her the doll that she made for herself, and she called it Rolly, and she said she's going to treasure it as well, the same way that tr- Kate, in the same way that Kate treasures her doll. So after they made up, she started cleaning. And she was out on the ledge um, cleaning the outside of the window. I know for certain I'm not going out on any type of ledge to clean no type of window for nobody. (laughs) No amount of money would make me do that. So in her apron that she has on, her cleaning apron she has on, she had Rolly in it and... Rolly was, you can see Rolly like slipping out of her pocket. And as Rolly fell, fell out of her pocket, without thinking, she just jumped off the ledge to catch Rolly, and landed in the bush. So Kate started um, to go out the room, but she was a bit hesitant. She was looking around like she's not supposed to be out of her room. So she was looking around to see if there's anyone there. Then she started running out. And that house is a maze because she ran through, like, so many places and corridors. And then you see, like, a little hint of a, of a shadow that saw her running out. And then she ended up out. Then she finally got outside and went over to a miracle who luckily landed in the bushes and told her to be more careful and as they were walking back they met a again and Mia this time Mia was with her shadow Sarah and she was a bitch and she started talking about, "Oh, I see you haven't been debuted yet," and you can see uh, Mia mimicking her Sarah's expression, and Amelieko <clears throat> was like talking back and said, so, "Oh," and Sarah's being like, "Oh, such a useless shadow, talking back," in like a condescending tone. She was being like. Uh, I, I don't believe you'll make it through debut. Grandfather makes kick you out. So we we're, so now we're being introduced to a new character, grandfather. He is the head of the shadows house, and we're going to learn more about him at a later time. And as she tries to leave her. Man standing, like, blocked their way, and it's like, "Can you see what face I am making? What face are you making, Kate? You don't have a face, do you?" I'm like, "Kate should have just smacked that bitch," <laughs> but she was just calm and cool and collected. As you, um, you could tell that Kate is more aware like of all of the rules and stuff but she i guess she hasn't told Cole like a lot she kind of like let Cole just be herself and so emilico is a little ignorant to a to a lot of stuff <laughs> so as they're like parting ways she's like you should be thankful that it was sarah that you saw And this faux pas would not be discussed. Like she's not gonna report it. So So they went back to their house and you just see Amelico sitting in her room and like as they were going back, like before they got to the room she said, like Emilico just felt so bad. Because the trash talking that Sarah did. Because apparently um, a medical, like a doll is not supposed to speak unless they're, they're not supposed to speak at all, really. They're just supposed to show faces. I guess kind of like a meme, I would describe it like they're supposed to be like a meme just show the faces that the shadow is trying to express so that was something Amelica learned and I guess she, because of how Sarah was bashing her she felt sad and she was like I'm sorry Mrs. Kate what can I do to make to be better?" and Kate just said take better care of yourself so as they went to their room back to their room and Amelica went to her room and I believe she bruised her knee and she was like she didn't get herself first aid I I feel like she's just Obli- completely oblivious to everything like she doesn't know she needs to get first aid so she so she decided if she went to sleep early that her cut was going to heal just like that so but she couldn't sleep because of everything it would happen And she's like, she kept thinking, she was like, a doll should not fret on trivial things. And that's like, one of the things that they kept saying, dolls should not fret over trivial things. That sounds like, just some manipulation to me, not fretting over trivial things. So she started to write in her journal what she was thinking about. What is the debut? And. She asked a question. That all of us. Probably were thinking in that episode. Who's grandfather? And what is. Shadow House. She asked a big question. And as the episode. Was ending. You see. Mia. Saying goodnight to her, to her shadow master. And then she went to her doll, to her little doll closet, is what I'm going to say. And you see, like, sit all over her room. So, that which tells you that Sarah was in her room. And it looks to me like Sarah is possessive. Because I don't think Kate has ever went to Emilico's room. I don't think, I don't, based on the episode, I don't think any of the shadows go to their perspective doll's room. So, and you see this kind of like grim, irritated smirk on Mia's face because she knew that her master was in there and that's where the episode ends well I'm like wow and I'm like I'm looking forward to the next episode and thank you guys for listening in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And that you'll come back for more. Again, my name is Antoinette. And welcome. thank you for listening to my podcast. Bye.